This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I want to look this morning, uh, I'm calling it spiritual alignment. We're still here at the first year, it's moving quickly, but just to do a gauge at where you're at and just throw some things at you to just to spark and um, stir in your heart what the Spirit would be speaking unto you. Uh, it was probably a couple months ago, Ellen was driving down Bahia Road. I mean, know there's a lot of construction going on there. And thank God for the new leg around it. And she, a car swerved in front of her real quick, and she slammed into a cylinder block. Well, the result was a flat tire, and she was able to make it just a little ways where she could pull in, uh, I think it was a a pet place, a vet. (laughs) Hmm, that sounds like her. But anyway, she pulled into it, and of course, she's on the phone with me, calls me, and I I come, and uh, I changed the tire. Like a good husband does. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're at the marriage conference. Uh, okay. I think we, we all got hit pretty hard. It was good. <laughs> but I changed the tire. And she takes off. Because, you know, everything's set. I get in the car. And I'm driving off. And I go probably about a football field, about 100 yards, and it's like I'm on the flat tire again. So I I get out of the car to examine the tire, and I find out there is no tire. I mean, this thing is shredded, dry rotted. (laughs) So what do I do? I get on the phone. Thank God for cell phones. And I'm trying to call Ellen back. And I'm calling, and I'm calling. Now, I know I just left her. I did know that she was on the phone about two seconds after, you know, she pulls off. So I call some more, nothing. So, well, Lord, what do I need to do here? Um, And now I got to thinking, what good would she be anyway? Do I expect her to come and lift up the car? There is no other spare. There's nothing Anyway, uh, a long story made a little shorter, called a wrecker. You know how hard it is to get a wrecker? I called two or three places, and uh, they're, they're out, get to you in three or four hours, or, and just going through all this. Called a, a place that I use uh, locally a lot, and theirs wasn't available. Finally found the place, and they came and got it. Got a new tire. Everything's great. Drive off in the car with the new tire, and this thing is running terribly. The alignment's out. So then you have to go get the line, and then you think, why didn't the tire people think about the alignment? You know. But anyway, they didn't. So I get all that taken care of, and then it runs smoothly. Sometimes you can 
be out of alignment and not even realize it. Sometimes you know it, but you get so comfortable with being out of alignment that you just go on that way. But the truth of the matter is, we need to have spiritual alignment because it's stealing from your life. It is causing you not to, to, to go through the journey of life smoothly. So I just want to look, and these are attached to many things that are first. You'll notice that in these, do this first, or first. And the first one is the alignment of priorities. Alignment of priorities. You know, if you don't get the first priority right, your priorities are out of order. No matter what you do, if the first one's wrong, it's not going to happen for you. They're, they're messed up. So we need to get the first one right. Something about getting the first one right starts making the others come into the proper alignment or the proper place that they need to be. In Matthew 6, 31, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek, say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Christian life is not about seeking me or seeking things for me first. It's seeking the kingdom and his righteousness first. Putting him first. And you need to check yourself and evaluate, am I seeking him first? Is he first in my life? His kingdom, his, his rule and his reign in my life. The kingdom of God's been placed where? On the inside of you. And kingdom speaks of his rule and his reign. Is he ruling and reigning in your life? Are you seeking his rule and reign first in your life? Are you his righteousness, his way of doing things? Are you seeking that first in your life? Or has it become second? Or has it moved down? You can quickly look at your life and see where your priorities are. If, and if that's first, seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Now, it talks about food, drink, clothing, shelter, or really the things that the world seeks after. Should you seek those things? Have you ever um, have gone seeking for clothes or for food or for shelter or for those things, transportation, those things that the world seeks after? Of course you have. He didn't say it's, it's wrong to seek those things. It's wrong if you seek them first. First. He said... If you will seek these things, seek the kingdom first, he said, I'll just add these other things to you. How many would like for God to add some food and some clothing and some shelter, transportation, those things that the world is seeking after? God said, if you'll seek me first, I'll add them to you. I like that. He's a good, good father. He said it. Believe it. Agree with it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you faithful, who also will do it. See, 
we have this thing mixed up. It the first priority, spirit, then soul, then body. What's the world's first? The body, the soul, then spirit. It's backwards. God says, have the spirit first, the soul, then the body. We've got to have number one priority right. And there's something about having that right that God will invade the other areas of your life and bring those to a place that they should be in. But we've got to have the first one first. Number two, alignment of relationships. Alignment of relationships. We need people. And we have to get along with people. And we have to learn what the Word says. And be at peace with people. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, say first. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He said, first, you need to make sure you have peace of all people, actually. They may not have peace with you, but you're to have peace with them. Your conscience is to be clear. Now, it's interesting this word, plank, actually means a beam, or we would say a telephone pole. Speck there means a splinter. Now, when I look at a person, and I'm looking and say, they've got a splinter. And I start judging them, saying, boy, I can see clearly what their problem is. This is what's going on with them. And I start judging them. No wonder they're going through this. Nobody loves them. I start judging them. You know what I reap back? This is actually talking about the law of sowing and reaping. I get a telephone pole in my eye. Now let me tell you, it's enough trouble going around of having a telephone pole in your eye. But this is a hindrance. This blocks my view. I cannot see too clearly. Is there a speck there? Is there a speck? And so you're walking around in the spirit. You have a telephone pole in your eye. The truth is, when you take this out and say, God, forgive me for judging other people. So I expect them to judge me on my good intentions, not on what I've done. The truth is, when I stop judging other people and I get truthful and honest before God, you'll never judge a speck after that. When you look at yourself and you get honest before God and you find out where you've been and what you've done, well, Pastor, I've never done anything wrong. You're full of pride. You're ignorant and blind, misguided. 
I'll tell you what the, the Bible actually talks about your moron. That's it's true in the Greek. You're a moron. <laughs> it says, first take out the beam that then you can help your brother. And it says, actually, when you read the scriptures, it talks about those that are spiritual should restore a brother. <clears throat> and they do it in a spirit of meekness unless they be tempted to fall into the same trap that they're trying to get the one delivered from. We can't afford to judge. We can't afford not to forgive. We can't afford to judge people. Because you will reap a beam. And his word is truth. And what he says will happen. Now, you've heard me talk about this, many of you before, but when I had the Lord speak to me and say, hey, Bob, and I experienced this love and this, this power. I was going through a difficult time. I'd really hooked up with the Lord. I was connected with him. But I had this thing, I had not forgiven my ex-wife. And because it still was, it still hurt. There was still pain. There was still um, unforgiveness and bitterness. And really, uh, I didn't realize it then. It was, it was like a hate. There was just this blame, and all the blame went there. And I was reading a book by Corey Tim Boone called The Hiding Place. Anybody heard of The Hiding Place? It's a great book. She had another book called, um, I forgot, second book. It was about her sister. And she, uh, her sister Betsy was killed in the concentration camp. And she went and preached in that, that camp, concentration camp. And the guy who killed her sister came <clears throat> to her, heard her preach, and he was coming up after service to greet her. And she said, God, I cannot do this. Give me the love that you have for him. Give me that love. And he comes and he reaches out his hands, his hand and he says, Isn't it great that the Lord forgives? And the love of God engulfed her and she went past his hand and hugged him and said, Yes, it is. Well, I was reading that book and I said, Lord, I know what I have to do. I said, Right now, I make a decision and I forgive. And I release. And that, that's when I heard, hey, Bob. And it was the most loving voice I've ever heard. The depth of his love. I always, when I heard his voice, I always knew they loved me. Forever he had loved me. And he had loved me deeply. And it changed everything. That I refuse to ever judge anyone and or not forgive. And the rest of the story, I stayed up the whole night and went to work and told everyone I wasn't wise at that, that time. <laughs> Shared everything with everyone. I go up on break and everybody's pointing at me. You know, one of these, one of these you're wondering if they're talking about you, they're pointing. 
Now, I'm just, I'm so happy in the Lord. I'm just waving back. My best friend, I told him, and he looked at me like, I, you know, I'd shot him or something. He just, uh, it's like he's hearing it, but it's not comprehending it. Uh, bloodshot eyes, he just pale, turned gray. Didn't say much to me that day. <laughs> he goes, the, the weekend hit, he comes in Monday and he looks like I did Friday. I mean, he is lit up. And he comes, Bob, Bob, God, God, talk to you. I said, sure, what's going on? He said I was at church. Now, he went to a church that didn't really, it was a Baptist church, didn't really believe in what I had said. And anyway, he said, my pastor was asked a question during the Sunday school. Has the Lord ever spoken to you? I said, what did he say? He goes, yes. What did the Lord tell him? He goes, hey, Wilbur. I said, glory to God, I got my friend back. <laughs> got my best friend back. <laughs> Well, I'm saying you can't afford not to forgive. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. You choose to forgive. And once you make that decision, God will bring the grace for the emotions and everything to follow. And now I look back on it, and I blame myself for everything. I wouldn't walk in with God. I wouldn't be in the husband I needed to be. And God opened up a time that I could talk to her and talk a long time about the Lord Jesus. And I know seed was planted. I'm believing God. I'm standing in faith. A complete turnaround because I chose to forgive. The alignment of our... Let me read you this. this is, Luke speaks of this same scripture, but he adds a little part to it. He says, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. And then it says, given, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? We use that for finances all the time. But in context, it does work for finances because he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping and it works for everything. But he's talking about unforgiveness and judgment and condemnation. He says, going to come heaping back on you, pressed down, shaking together, running over, and you'll have a beam, a telephone pole in your eye. Why you reap it back? Law and sowing and reaping. That's the reason I push forgiving others when there's a, a ceiling in your life or something's Stopping you up, a lot of times it's just forgiving. You might have to forgive yourself. You might have to forgive someone that's dead. Forgive them, release it. Your kids or whatever, you have to release it and forgive. Where you can get the grace of God, the favor of God flowing in your life. He said, when you pray, standing, forgive. It, it's like your spiritual activity, you need to make sure your heart's right. Forgive, forgive others. 
Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first. Say first. Be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, why would you remember that someone else is offended at you? It's because you did something wrong. It's because you made a mistake. Whether you made a mistake or not, you need peace with that person. And probably you did something wrong, and what you've done, you've overlooked it and just went on and just let, hoping it would just dissolve away. That's not what the scripture says. It says, when you bring your gift, leave it at the altar. Somebody says, oh, praise the Lord, I'm not giving today. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He said, leave it at the altar. He said, bring it and leave it. Don't offer it in faith until you forgive, and then the blessing of the Lord is released on your offering. Well, I just keep giving and, and giving my time, my offering, but nothing's happening. We just keep going the wrong direction. Well, you need to forgive your father. You need to forgive your mother, your sister, your boss. You need to forgive yourself. You need to let it go. You need to forgive. Then watch God take that offering and bless it. The good news is some of you have some offerings in layaway. It's still there. And you can come back and forgive and let that offering receive the life of God hitting it. And you can receive back on that which you've given before, even though you were in a place of spiritual unalignment or disalignment or whatever. You can receive blessing on that. He said, leave it at the altar. And I got to think about that. It's because God doesn't trust us. We'll go ahead and spend that thing. He said, leave it at the altar. <laughs> Don't ignore unforgiveness. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Number three, alignment of authority. Matthew 12, verse 29. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he... First, binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. Are you waiting on God to do something that he's empowered and authorized you and given you the responsibility to do? Would you do something about this devil God when he's told you to take his name and take authority, bind the strong man? You have to do it. He's not going to do it for you. You take up the name of Jesus and the authority of that name, and you tell the enemy where to go. And there is someone you can tell to go to hell. It's the devil. I tell him on a regular basis. I hear a little voice that's not God. Go to hell, little voice. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Okay. The devil has stolen money, your health, relationships, and God wants you to take authority over the enemy. Satan has it in storage. You can get it back. Get it back. It's yours. In fact, the Bible says if a thief has been found, he must pay back sevenfold. 
I command it to come back sevenfold what's been stolen. Take authority. Get it back. It's yours. You can do it. Get your marriage back, your health, your purpose, your dreams, your kids, your strength, your peace. In the name of Jesus, take authority over depression, over fear. Take dominion through authority over passivity, over loss of joy. You know, the joy of the Lord's your strength. You've lost your strength, just get some joy. Start praising the Lord. Start speaking to yourself that you're full of joy. And you command that, that spirit that of heaviness to flee and to go and take on a new coat, the coat of praise and the coat of worship. And it will change. God didn't just show up because we all got together. You can be at home by yourself and you can turn towards the Lord and you can experience His presence. No matter where you're at, you can experience His presence. One of the strongest times I've ever had with the Lord was me and Him by myself. It's a few years back, prayer and fasting. And I, I hit a, a depth. I, I remember telling Rob, I hit a depth. Um, it was so deep. In the Lord and in his love, I'd, I'd never gone there. I hadn't been there since, that place. It was so deep. You know, God is, is deep. You can go as deep as you want to go. You got as much of God as you want to have. You won't run him out. <laughs> there's still more. No matter what you learn, where you're at, there's a whole lot more to get. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law. Having become a curse for us, as written, everyone's hung on a tree as a curse. You know, Jesus became the curse for us. When you look in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the curse is every single despicable, damnable thing that could be brought upon you socially, mentally, financially, uh, in every area, spiritually, in every area, it's listed there. Being overwhelmed is even listed there. Tumors, itch, everything you can think of is there. And then he says, if it's not written here under the curse of the law, every plague and every sickness that's not written here is included too. Well, you know, you have to take authority and not receive the curse, not receive poverty and lack, not receive depression and oppression. You have to rebuke the curse and say, it's not a part of my life. I don't care what it looks like. It's not a part of my life. Jesus redeemed me from it. And I refuse the curse. So we get comfortable with the curse. And we don't even rebuke it. We don't even resist it. We're just going along with the curse. And we've got to rise up. And we've got to take authority. I don't care what's coming now. I don't care if there's a new mega mosquito the Zika mosquito. I don't care. It's listed as a part of the curse. It talks about plagues and prolonged sickness. It's listed as part of the curse. I don't care if it's the swine flu, the bird flu, the giraffe flu, elephant flu, or whatever new one's coming. It's not mine. It's under the curse. 
and I refuse it. Some of you need to rise up and say, enough is enough. I take authority over this in Jesus' name, and I reject it. Stand up. All of you, stand up. Lift your hands. We're going to take authority. How do you do this? I'm going to show you. In the name of Jesus, we reject the curse. We come against sickness, disease, infirmity that's trying to steal our purpose, our plan. We come against health issues. We come against the impossibilities of the doctors. And we declare that they're possible with God. Not only possible, they've been bought and paid for. We're healed by Jesus' stripes. We rebuke the curse. We speak health to our body. We rebuke that, that relationship issues that is stealing and destroying our life. We rebuke the curse that your spouse will sleep with another. We rebuke that and don't receive it. We rebuke that our kids will go off serving foreign gods. It's under the curse and we reject the curse. Yeah. In Jesus' name, we reject lack and poverty. We declare we have more than enough. That you're El Shaddai. More than enough. More than enough. We rebuke depression. We rebuke it. We have clarity of thinking. Clarity of thinking. See, the devil wants you to think that you've blown it and that your kids are out there and they're unredeemable. But God wants you to know he was the perfect father and his kids went astray. His kids messed up. You receive no condemnation. You rise up and you declare what God says and those kids will come back. Those kids will come back. They have no choice. We've been redeemed from the curse. God is in love with you. You're his child, and he will provide for your household. He is the answer. He is the solution. You need direction. You know there is a curse not to have direction. It talks about confusion of mind, that you don't know which way to go. That's under the curse. Just start declaring, I have the direction of the Lord. My path is lit before me, and I'm going down the path of righteousness, the path that he set before me. Some of you need to rise up and stop getting angry at yourself or angry at your dog or angry at your spouse. And let the devil have it. Let the devil have it. Rise up. Take authority. God won't do it for you. But you can How often do I do this, Pastor? As often as you need to. You know there's a release in it when you do it. You know there's a peace in it when you do it. And you'll find yourself in worship. You'll find yourself in praise for all that He has done. You can be seated. Okay, I'm going to move quickly. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Number four, align me of the heart. Matthew 22, 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in this law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first, say first. First and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
on these two commandments saying all the law and the prophets. First, love God with all your heart. How do you do that? You set yourself before the Lord. And you can tell him, Lord, I want that passion for you. To love you with everything within me. And then you say, I choose to. I choose to. Do you know God can light your fire? He knows how to ignite you. He knows how to light you up. And he will, he will set your heart ablaze for him. Just being with him and loving on him. When I know how much he loves me, I can come to him with confidence, knowing he'll not judge me. I can connect with him and be free. And I can speak my heart with him. Like I was saying when he said, hey, Bob, I realized he had always loved me. Forever. It was like he had always known me and always loved me. When I realize how much he loves me, I start loving myself. I put value in myself. Because it says I'm to love others as I love myself. The reason some people have trouble loving others because they don't love themselves because they don't realize how much they've been loved by Father. And we've been loved for glorious love. The length and the depth. The width of this, of this love. That he's loved us with. And that love will cause you to love others. And to see others in a different light. You'll find yourself not judging. You'll find those that are the worst towards you. You'll find yourself praying for them. Somebody come off and go off on you and, and in your heart you, I feel for them. They know not what they do. That sound familiar? The words of the Lord. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Anybody that comes off and spouts off against you, they know not what they do. You're God's child. God loves you. And when you understand that love, you know what the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy says you're not good enough. You'll never get the promises of God. You've blown it. You've blown it so bad that you can't come back. Your damaged goods... I mean, the whole thing that he speaks. But his, the voice of the Father, he, he lifts you up. He encourages you. He speaks the truth to you in love. He, he gives you the way out. I think about the 12 spies went to the promised land. You remember, two came back agreeing with God. Ten did not. But I want you to know, it wasn't the giants that defeated those Israel. It wasn't the giants. It was, wasn't the giants on the outside in the land. It was the giants on the inside that defeated them. Because they disagreed with what God had said. Number five, alignment of the inward world. Matthew 23, 26, blind Pharisees first, say first, cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean. Also, get your thoughts, 
that those that attitude, that those habits, get your thinking in line with God. Get your thinking in line with Him. I mean, you got to spend time in the Word to get His thoughts in you. And you start renewing your mind. There's places all of us have that our thoughts are not in line with His Word, what He says. And we need to get proper alignment to what God says about us. Those thoughts, what do they do? They affect our emotions. That affects our, our actions. But God has redeemed us from bad negative emotions. We've got to get the alignment of our thoughts. Clean the inside and the outside will be changed. Be bigger inside than outside. That's something Smith Wigglesworth always talked about. I'm bigger on, on the inside than I am on the outside. Or Roberts talked about it. I'm so much bigger on the inside than the outside. Well, you're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside because God's in there. There's a lot in you. And those, those thoughts need to line up with what God says. The enemy cannot stop you from fulfilling the dream and purpose that God has for your life unless you agree with the enemy. The devil's not big enough. He's been defeated and brought to a zero. You want to know what the devil is? He's a big zero. That's what the word says. He lives one place. And sometimes you've got to put him in his place. And does anybody know where he lives? It's beneath your feet. So sometimes you just got to let him know, just put a little bit more emphasis. That's where he lives. Because he's defeated. <laughs> Alignment with the body of Christ. Number six, John 20, 19. Then the same day of the evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. You need to be in alignment with the church, with the body of Christ on the first day of the week. The Bible calls the church the gate of heaven. Uh, it's called uh, at Bethel. It is the place that we connect together. One can put a thousand in the flight. Two can put ten thousand in the flight. You are stronger because of the person sitting next to you. What can be multiplied in this place when we all enter into praise? We all enter in with worship and our faith. It is, we're so much stronger together. And God says, don't neglect. Come together. Join our, ourselves together. There's corporate anointing. There's power released. If you'll be faithful to just keep coming, you'll be changed. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as the day approaches. As the day approaches, when the Lord's coming back, this thing is wrapping up, we should be more committed to getting together as a church. You'll be more committed to getting in a small group, more committed to your church as that day approaches. But you know what uh, they tell us? Yes, it's the opposite working. It takes four to five weeks for a, a church to get every member to church. Four to five weeks. And they say in the next two years... It's going to be seven weeks 
for, in other words, if I was making an announcement, I'd have to make that same announcement for seven weeks to make sure we got the, everyone to hear it. We should be more committed. Now, here's the thing. The study says the reason that people are not coming is because of sports, entertainment, activities, or to sleep in. We can't do that, church. We can't afford that. We have to come together because we need each other. We need the strength that each of, each of us have. And when you're weak, you can come in and get strengthened. When you're strong, you can strengthen someone else. We need each other. We need the church. We need the family of God. How you treat God's house affects your house. Number seven, last one, alignment of finances. Deuteronomy 26, 2. That you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you can all tie this in to the gathering of the saints of church. First, bring. So you don't choose where you tithe. You can choose where you give offering. But you don't choose where you tithe, you choose where he said to bring it. Where he connected you with a church family, that's where you bring it. And you need alignment of your finances. You need to honor God and put him first. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord for your possessions with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The first goes to God. And when you put him first and you honor him, you know he honors those that honor him and he will provide. He, will, he sees your faith and he will make sure you have provision. You don't tell your money, if you don't tell your money where to go, you will ask it where it went. So tell it where to go first. You're going to God first. Money, you're going to worship God first. And then have you a budget. Get you some, some paper and write down a budget. Say budget. Budget's a good word. Financial guru. Good. If you need help, come see Zach. <laughs> You need to have a budget. You need to have a plan. But you need to put first God. You can have the plan. You can have the budget and all that stuff. You don't have God first. You're missing. You're out of alignment. And the Bible even says that money will become your God and your source of supply that you'll look to and will become an idol in your life. Because you can't serve God and mammon. You must choose. The world worships and loves the God of mammon or the God of money. But we, as his children, worship the God of creation who happens to be our father. And he said, even as he clothes the grass of the field, he feeds the birds, he says, Where's your faith? If I take care of them, will I not provide for you? 
I mean, how many are, are praying, believing for the grass to grow in their yard where you can cut the yard? God causes it to grow. Just put your trust, trust in Him. He's saying, it's, it's just like the grass growing, I'll provide for you. <laughs> it's coming up, it's going to have to be cut. Let's <laughs> bow our heads. If this morning you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, this is the most important decision that you can make. He loves you so much. His arms are open wide for you to come home and come to him. This isn't a thing about joining a church. It's not a thing about how bad you've been or how good you've been. It's about receiving his sacrifice, what he did on the cross for you. It's about a relationship with him. And if you were to die, and you come before heaven, the only way that you could get in is because you know Jesus and you have a relationship with him. That's the only way. You couldn't say because I taught Sunday school or I was always in church or I gave a tithe or I was a leader. That won't do it. The only thing that will get you in it's the blood of Jesus and your trust totally in that sacrifice across what Jesus did for you. That's you this morning. Maybe you've prayed this before, but you realize you haven't been connected with God the way you need to be connected. And you need to be connected again. You want to choose to get right with God this morning. For either one of these... I want you to just lift your hand up. Say, that's me. Any others? Thank you, Lord. Say, that's me. I want to get right with God this morning. Get this taken care of. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Say, dear Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price that was paid. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. You took my place. You took what I deserved. I deserved to go to hell. But you provided for me to be with you in heaven and to be a part of your family. Thank you for saving me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life. And I give you thanks. Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen amen let's stand up let's worship the Lord prayer partners you can make your way up you need prayer this morning I want you to come and receive maybe you realize that your alignment was out in some place and just get some prayer get that thing sealed that that alignment that you're making a decision to get things in order in your life God is a God of order and He wants to bless you. Maybe you're physically under attack. God's our healer. He promised. He promised. I have a word for you. He promised that you're healed by His stripes. It's a promise. 
The doctors won't promise you, but God promises you. And you can put your trust in Him. Let's lift up our voices and praise Him. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.